born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. The good things from the Lord is not based upon your physical talent and abilities. It's not based upon your human wisdom because you can make it happen because I am me. That's called P-R-I-D-E. God hates pride. So the Lord is going to let you find out you don't have the answers to everything. You can't make everything happen. You can't always get what you want in life. But he says this, delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Well, I read that verse almost 50 years ago. Well, it's been 50 years. I should be able to look back over my life and say, well, did he keep his word? Yes, he did. I have gotten the desires of my heart. Well, this is what I believe God's talking about. There's so much more that God wants for us. Does God know how you think and how you feel, what you want? God says, there's a way to get it. Put me first. And some people will never put God first. That's cause of pride. But if you'll humble yourself, submit yourself to his will, you have obligation to fulfill his word. See, we have God right where we want him. Bound by his word. He can't lie. He can't do me wrong. If you serve the Lord and you put God first, he has to come through. He has to do what he promised he'll do. And so he says, count it all joy when you have all these various problems because I want you to learn something from me. I'm going to teach you some spiritual truth that the world cannot teach you. And I want to give you peace and joy that the world cannot give you and it can't take it away. See, happiness usually comes from what we call happenings. If things happen that you like, Oh, I'm so happy. And then when things happen that you don't like, I'm so unhappy. But see, joy has nothing to do with what's happening. Joy is something that God can give you in the peace of mind and has nothing to do with what's going on. Well, the world could be falling apart, but you can have peace of mind and joy in the Lord. That's why he says in several places here, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. And where was he when he wrote this? He was in prison. He's in prison. And he's the one that's telling us to rejoice. Because it doesn't, it's not based upon where he's at. And then he's used by the Lord to write a wonderful book like the book of Philippians. And boy, didn't he waste his time there. And here we have a book that came out of there. 
and look at this book and what a blessing it's been to so many people over the centuries. It's awesome. But look what he says in verse 16. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. So I know that verse 16 sheds light upon the other verses up there in verse 12 and 13 and 14. So now that we understand what it's talking about, I think a little bit better, now we go back up there and look at these verses. Look in verse 12. Paul says this, not as though I had already attained, you know, perfection. He ain't got all that. He hasn't yet learned everything God wants him to know. None of us have. There's still things that God wants to teach us and to learn. And you need to be of that same frame of mind. Be thus minded that you don't know it all today and you won't know it all tomorrow. There's things God still has for you to learn. There's still things God wants us to do. I used to tell people, like, do you have a pulse? Yes, you got a purpose. If you got a pulse, you got a purpose. Because when God's through with you, he can take you out of here. All he has to do is just stop you from breathing. <laughs> and one of the days we're going to die. But while we're alive, yeah, live. While you're alive, live. Live for the Lord. And look what he says. He says, either we're already perfect or mature. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. In other words, is your purpose for living that you want to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish? See, I used to, before I ever trusted the Lord, I had dreams and goals and things that I wanted to do, places I wanted to go. I was going to Africa, swing on the monkey vines like Tarzan, Live in a tree house. I made the mistake of watching a Tarzan movie a long time ago with Lex Barker. And I think if he can live like that, I can too. I thought it was just so neat just to lay around and eat grapes and the monkeys bring you this and the monkey bring you a banana, you know. You just, and then you dive off that thing and just swim in the water. And I thought, well, where's all these crocodiles and stuff and these things, and the big old snakes and things. You know, but I never worried about the problems. It was just that I had a dream. And then I wanted to go to the Amazon. I don't know why I wanted to go to the Amazon. I wouldn't go to the Amazon. But whatever you have had as a dream or desire, can you cast those aside and say, well, whatever it is God wants for me. So your biggest desire is the will of God. The biggest desire is for God to use you. Otherwise, you just you live life. What's the difference between you and uh, six billion people on planet Earth? The only thing that really makes you different than anybody else is whenever you do what God wants you to do. God is a God of diversity. He uses all kinds of people for all kinds of things. And he's not through with you yet. Not through with me yet. Oh, I hope. <laughs> Maybe this might be my last sermon. Who knows? But he says, I have not yet attained everything. Uh, look what he said in verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, there's several things I guess you could look at on that verse. What do you mean by forgetting all those things which are behind? Uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, it says Israel got in a lot of trouble because they forgot. They forgot. They forgot the goodness of the Lord. They forgot how 
God had provided for them and how miraculously he led them out. And they forgot all of the goodness. I don't think God wants us to forget all of his goodness. I do think that he wants us not to look back to what we could have done if we hadn't trusted the Lord. Or what I could have had if I hadn't sacrificed this for the Lord. I'll have to admit, there's been times that I've wondered in my mind, I wonder what I could have done. What could I have accomplished if I had never trusted the Lord? I wonder what I would have been. And I don't really want to know. It can never compare to what God has done for me and through me. So I, I don't look back and begrudge the decision, I'm going to serve the Lord with all my heart for the rest of my life. I just know that there's a lot of people that have no clue where they're going to go when they die, and I don't want people to go to hell. That's been one of my biggest driving, motivating force. I just don't want people to go to hell. And one of the best ways to win people to the Lord is teaching other people how to win people to the Lord. Well, is there anybody that has learned how to tell somebody else because they heard the gospel from you? That's what you're after. Because, see, we're temporary. We're only upon the stage here for a short period of time, and then we're gone. Then we're going to be with the Lord. And so what is it that you think that God wants you to do while you're here? Most people feel that life is all about, about me. What, what do I want? What do I want to be? Yeah, but what does God want? And most people never ask that. Remember, there's a verse in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, and it makes a statement for thy pleasure thou art and were created. For thy pleasure thou art and were created. Why was I created? For his pleasure, the pleasure of the Lord. Well, it makes a statement in several places that you cannot please God except by faith. And if I'm supposed to please the Lord, then the purpose of my life should be finding out what, what pleases God. So I studied the Bible. Because in the Word of God, He tells us what pleases Him. And remember, Jesus said, I do always those things that please my Father. And He also made this statement in the book of uh, John chapter 14, verse 31. He said, that the world may know that I love the Father, even so I do. So I do what I do because I want the world to know that I love my Father. I want people to know that I love the Lord and that I want to please Him. So there's a lot of things in life. Yeah, yeah i got an old sinful nature too. And so I need something stronger than the desires of the flesh. Something better and stronger than the love of the world. And that's the love of the Father. You see, if my love for Him is stronger than my love for the world, I can keep serving Him. That's power. And a lot of people don't have the power that love brings. They don't have the power that forgiveness brings. They don't have the power that, you know, surrendering your life to the Lord can give because see, they're always in rebellion. So there's a, a life that they could have lived but will never experience. And they'll go through their whole life and never understand the power that's in this book. So Paul says, I want to know the power of his resurrection, or I want to know what it's like to have Christ not only living in me, but to live through me. 
He lives in all of us. But he doesn't live through all of us. And that's what I believe is his greatest desire. So I want to apprehend that for which I have been apprehended. So I want to accomplish that which he wants me to accomplish. And if it's to please the Lord, then I want to find out what pleases God. And I find out that if I please him, I get, I get blessed. I'm pleased because I pleased him. It'll work that way. It really will. But you make pleasing yourself your goal and that the world revolves around you. You're going to be one miserable individual because nobody else cares whether you're happy or not. So people ain't going to be working on your behalf. It ain't going to work that way. And you're going to be limited to your own talents and abilities and your scheming or whatever you can connive up. Or you can learn to trust the Lord and let the Lord make it happen. That's an easier way. And you can rest in the Lord and put no confidence in the flesh for salvation or for the Christian life. You learn to trust Him. Look what he said. He says, And forgetting those things which are behind, I press for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, I got something that I'm after. And it becomes your all-consuming goal. Remember this, I preached a sermon one time called Prayer for the Journey. Prayer for the Journey. Y'all probably don't remember that. About a year ago I preached it. Prayer for the Journey. You needed to have two things boiled down in your life. One, you've got to have that all-consuming purpose, the goal. What's the goal of my life? You could call it, I want to glorify Him, I want to please Him, I want to honor Him, whatever it is that has to do between you and Him, and it's all about Him, not you. That's the all-consuming prayer for your heart's desire. And then there is prayer for points in time. See, there is the prayer for the purpose of life, and then points in time. In other words, between now and the time that I get to heaven, as I go through life, there's points in time. And I'm always asking and talking to the Lord, but I don't ask the Lord for anything that leads me away from that purpose. It's like you want to go someplace in life. If I want to leave from here and go to California, well, I got to get on the road that goes to California. But I have a destination. So all the other little decisions are the ones that I make along the way while I'm going there. But I don't get on the road, go to New York. Or Miami. It's the wrong way. But if you don't know where you're going, then any road will do. And with most Christians, any road will do. Any decisions will do. And they make the decisions upon what they want to do right now. And they don't look down to where, where am I headed? I don't know. I think it's good to know where you're going when you get in the car. I mean, you just started a motor. Where are you going? Well, I don't know. You might just go in circles, and a lot of people, they have no direction. The Lord can give you purpose in life, give you directions in life, and then you'll know how to pray because you know where you're going. You know what you need. I don't need to pray, Lord, give me a pink Cadillac with an, and a million dollars. What do I need it for? I just want what God wants me to have as I go along the way. And if he takes us away, well, fine. If he gives me this, well, they're fine. And you learn to praise the Lord and thank the Lord in all things for what you have. Because God... But he can close the door. He can open up doors. He can open up opportunities. And he can close them. Learn to walk with the Lord. And he'll bless you because of it. In uh, verse 14, when he says, I press, it means I run. In other words, this is like an all-consuming goal that I have in my life. Now, he's in prison. 
So he's not going to get in there, run around a cell. It's not talking about that kind of running. But I have a purpose, an all-consuming purpose in my life. And because of that, he's the one that's writing the book, telling those people that are on the outside how to have the peace of God. So that's why he makes the statement here in verse 8 of chapter 4. Finally, brethren, finally, brethren. <laughs> Remember last week, I said, uh, he said over there in the book of chapter 3, in verse 1, finally, my brethren. And then he writes another chapter. And in chapter 4, down in verse 8, finally, my brethren. And then he writes another. He was always closing, but he just forgot how to close. Uh, there's preachers like that. Boy, I'm glad I'm not like that. Verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, you ought to underline these words, think on these things. Because, see, peace of mind is a result of how you think. Peace is not something you go to Walmart and get or some store and you, you don't buy it over the counter. It's a state of mind. It's how you're thinking. It's where you're dwelling. It's where you're living. It's whom you're trusting. When you trust in the flesh, you're going to be worried because you're limited. But if you trust in the Lord, you can have rest and peace because He's not limited. And He can do for you what you can't do. I would rather trust somebody who has got all the power to do anything that I need to have done than to trust my ability to try to make it happen. Paul had to learn this. And, and look what he says there in verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, and here's the biggest word in the Bible, do. And get what he said. The God of peace shall be with you. Look there in the last part of verse 7 when he says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding. That means human understanding, human reasoning, human ability to perform. It can't create the peace of God. There's the peace of man, but it's a false hope, false peace, and it will not satisfy and it will not last. And this here is the kind of peace that can guard your mind, that keeps it from running astray. Remember this, uh, fear... Uh, is a sign of a, a, a runaway train. It's a runaway emotions. When you have lost the power to control the way you think, that's why you learn how to commit things to the Lord. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this. I don't know how you're going to get me out of this. I don't know how you're going to provide this, but I'm going to trust you. And if you don't do it, then it doesn't need to get done. You see, I'm going to trust you to do it. Now, we do all that we can, and we pray all that we can, but we leave the results to the Lord. And God said that he would watch over and bless us. Now, look down in verse 17. Excuse me, at verse 14, I just wanted to bring this to your, your mind. When he says, I press toward the mark, that means I press. I, I run. Uh, down in verse 16, when he says, nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk. Let us walk. And then you'll look over there in uh, verse 5 of chapter 4. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So whether you, um, you know, run, walk, or stand, the Lord is at hand. And you learn that regardless of what's going on in your life, 
I, I can trust them. Now look at these uh, couple of verses before we close here. In verse 17, brethren, so we know we're talking to believers, talking to the Christian. He says, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for examples. Now every one of you in this room, if you know Christ is your Savior, you are supposed to be an example of the believer in word and deed. Now do you want every Christian to follow your example? To think the way you think. To live the way you live. Make the decisions like you make. No man is an island unto himself. So we are influencing people. Would you try to influence people to follow your example? This is when you begin to care and to show it. Look what else he says. In verse 18, he says, For many, and we're talking about believers, many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. That when a person does not walk according to the will of God, it breaks the heart of somebody. Because you want the best for everybody. Don't you want the best for all of God's children? But there's some, and you know God's going to have to chasten. You know God has to because that's what he promised in his word. He will chasten all of his disobedient children. You can't live as you please and get away with it. Impossible. You can't win. And he says, and now tell you, even they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame. And, and you ought to underline, who mind earthly things. So what's the purpose of all of this? So that you and I can learn not to put confidence in the flesh, but to mind heavenly things. You see, if you're carnally minded, means you mind the things of the flesh. If you're spiritually minded, it means you mind the Spirit. And that's mentioned in the book of Romans in chapter 8. So, what kind of a mind do you have? Who do you seek to please? What's the purpose of your life? Do you want more? Are you walking right now according to the light you already have? Did you know that sometimes you can ask God for light? Lord, lead, guide, and direct. I mean, people always say that. If you're not walking according to the truth you already have, you might as well forget it. And we will go into maturity if God permits. But see, if you rebel against known truth that is already revealed, and you won't do that, why should God keep teaching you more truth? You won't get it. You won't learn. You must walk according to that which you already have attained, and then God will give you some more. And then some more. But if you're rebellious already, you're not going to learn. And that's why you can go to church for 30 years and never mature. Because you refuse to obey what you have already been taught. If you don't walk according to truth that you have, why should God keep giving you more additional truth in life? And you can sit in church and you can listen to a preacher teach the word of God. You heard the words, but you got nothing, absolutely nothing out of it. And after a while, you'll be saying, well, you know, I just don't get anything out of the preacher's sermons anymore. And then somebody else come along and say, but preacher, that was the best sermon I've ever heard. Men, I am learning so much. I am being fed. Boy, you're just feeding me. And now, man, I'm just growing like leaps and bounds. And then you have some other people. I ain't getting nothing. Somebody's not eating. Explain it. I don't care to. But I hope that you learned something. And I hope everybody in here learns a little bit. Hear a little they're little. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. 
It's all the bad things that we do. But God says that um, he loves us. He hates our sin. Because we committed the sin, we have to pay for it. And that is eternal separation from God. So since everybody sins, everybody's in the same boat. We're all condemned. We're all guilty. So there's nothing that a man can do to make himself pure, to make himself perfect. It's impossible. But heaven, see, heaven is perfect. God is perfect. To live forever with the Lord, you've got to be perfect. Well, where you aren't. So how are we going to get there? God says, um, your sins won't let you in. I can't let you in because of that. Plus, you've got a payment to make, and that's eternal separation from God in hell. So we don't, it don't look very good for us. God says it's impossible for a man to save himself. Christ, this hand representing Christ, God in the flesh came into the world because he loves us. Now, he hates what we do wrong because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said that if you and I, if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put the payment he made to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what he did. See, there's no tricks to that. There's no gimmicks to it. It's a gift. It's totally free. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and God gave me eternal life. There's, there's power in this message. And when they hear it, and you don't know where you're going to die, and you hear it for the first time, you mean I can go to heaven when I die? Meaning that I don't have to promise anything, stop anything? Just like I am, I can accept Christ as my Savior, and he'll give me eternal life, and I get to go to heaven? That's true. You say, well, what if I do something wrong tomorrow? Huh, you will paid. What if I do something really bad? It's paid. Is what if I do something right before I die? It's paid. How many of your sins did he pay for? All of them. They're all paid. There won't be one sin for you to pay for. You see, you say, you don't deserve it. I know. Nobody deserves it. That's why he says, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. Friend, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just talk to the Lord? See, you don't make a mistake this way. Only the true and living God can know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. I can't read your mind. But I do want you to trust the Lord. I want you to go to heaven when you die. So right now, if what I said made sense, you say, I want to go to heaven. And I believe Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. And I'm going to trust him right now as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, God said if you would believe that he did it for you, he would save you and give you eternal life. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone at all say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ as my Savior this morning, and I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Remember, there's no gimmick to it, no tricks. Over and done with when you make that decision. Anyone at all? Father, we thank you so much for your word you've given us, and we ask your blessings upon each person here to Lord, know how to apply these things to their life. We all, and I believe all, want more. 
We want more than just salvation. We're thankful for that. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. But now that we're your children, we want to grow and to become strong, to be mature. We want to be used. We want to have a purpose in life. We want the peace and the joy that you talk about in your word. And we pray, Lord, that as your children, we're not put confidence in the flesh, our own talent and ability, but realizing that we're to be children of God in character. So bless us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.